You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. JP, Giselle, and Kyrie, we are here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons on 98.7 ESPN. As I mentioned, hope you had a great weekend. It was... So let me just say this, ladies and gentlemen, this weekend is indicative of how it's going to be. As the weather turns turns warmer, it's going to be tough for you guys to stay inside. I know it is. It was tough. So make sure when you go out, social distancing, bring the mask. Seeing some folks out without masks this weekend, not good. Me, of course, I was, you know, a slow walk around the neighborhood. And Spike will be happy to hear mowing the lawn. That was Larry's weekend, among some other things, too, with Jeanette hanging out. And, of course, the last dance. Oh, boy, the last dance last night. Episodes five and six. As a matter of fact, at the bottom of the hour, our Bomani Jones, host of the Right Time podcast, will join us here on 98.7 ESPN. We'll get his thoughts on this and other things going on in the world of sports. But the last dance, episode five and six last night, first of all, for Nick fans, and I got a lot of texts from you folks, disturbed, uh, aggravated. Uh, thank you, Kyrie and Mr. Ty, for your texts during that time. Concerned about my well-being. Ha! You weren't concerned about my well-being. You just wanted to gloat. But see, you guys don't don't get it. I was there that night. I've lived it. I'm done. I knew it was coming. I'm, I was ready for it. I even told Jeanette, here it comes. This is game five. This changed everything. Everything. All the good feelings. All the good feelings the Knicks had about getting a getting re- gaining control of that series because you remember the first two games at the garden Knicks win. And then <laughs> to hate, hate to sound like today's politics, right? But then the media changed things, right? Because Jordan goes to Atlantic city and right. And, and they talk about how tired he was in game two and he looked fatigue and, He's not taking this seriously and all the stuff that got him angry. And so in games three and four in Chicago, he personally decided to let the Knicks know, oh, I'm good. I'm really good. But all in all, the Knicks, who, by the way, had home court in that series, right? Because they had a better record. Okay. Well, they didn't have a goal because they had game five, six, and seven. But still. The Knicks, and I'm trying to figure out how that was, because remember, they started the first two games at the Garden. I don't remember how it went right now. But anyway, game five, you figure Knicks win game five at home. All they have to do is win one of two. Okay? All they have to do is win one of two. And they don't get game five. And six was a foregone conclusion. They were done with that. So you learned a lot about Michael Jordan last night. And for those of you who didn't know or heard some of the stories that were new, and even for those of us who knew some of the things that were going on at that point, it was interesting. We were all waiting to see how it was going to be dealt with 
in the documentary, right? Because remember, Michael Jordan has, you would think he's got editorial control over it. It's his videos. You know, his, one of his producers, uh, he's a familiar, good friend working on it. So you figure that he's going to have control of it. But it was very interesting to watch and relive the issues of the gambling and how that seemingly to many people took control of him to the point that people were wondering if he was, had a gambling issue. Obviously his social awareness came into question and that was a huge story when it came out about him not supporting the gentleman, Mr. Gant, who was running in North Carolina against Jesse Helms and how he did not do the PSA and how he, although he donated money, he refused to put his face and name alongside Mr. Gant. And then, of course, the famous quote, Republicans wear sneakers too. And then we had a, uh, you know, the other issue with him and how he, which is nothing new, right? It's really part of how he introduced himself, part of how he prepared, part of how he refocused himself against players in the NBA. That's what kept him great. That's what kept him motivated. That's what kept him being the guy that was always above everybody else, right? That's what made him answer the challenge. And the other part of it that was really so interesting to me was also hearing him talk about how it was getting old, how it's not easy being him, how people think they could, even though it was part of a documentary, right? How people think it's easy being Michael Jordan. Try being Michael Jordan for a day, a week. Try being Michael Jordan for a year. His conversation with Ahmad Rashad talking about, I don't think I would miss basketball if, if this is it for me. So even he was worn down by the physical and mental toll, the mental toll, the mental game playing, right? That he always had to do to make sure that he remained that kept that edge over everybody else in the NBA. His, how could they, his, his being incredulous. How could they say Clyde Drexler is as good as me? All right. And, and this has been a theme. Okay. This is a theme. This is not just last night. This is how he was. And I think one of the, one of the uh, narrators had a great point of Michael Jordan. It's like always being on stage, right? It's when he was behind the scenes in the hotel room, it was off. The minute he walked out of the hotel elevators, he was the star of the Michael, Michael Jordan show. And wherever he went, he was the star of the Michael Jordan show. And everybody was pulling because they wanted a piece of Michael Jordan being a part of the Michael Jordan show. And it wears on you, right? Everywhere he went, except if he was in a room or with his teammates, he was on stage 
on the Michael Jordan show. And so it, it was interesting to hear how after years and years and years of that, in what probably was going to be, quote, the last dance, unquote, the final year that this team was going to be together, this championship run, where they were trying to pull the second three-peat together, he was done. From that standpoint of having to go through that, it had gotten old. And so that's why he continually had to, throughout his career, motivate himself to continue to be better than everybody else. And yes, we know that he loved to win and that competition that he craved helped him a lot. But it's how do you do that? Okay, it's one thing to even outdo the security by pitching quarters against the wall. (laughs) But it's another when you're going one-on-one or going your team against the best the NBA has to offer. It's another thing when you're going against the best, the best assembled team internationally in history with the dream team in 92. It's a whole other thing to make sure you're motivated to continue to reach that goal, to continue to be the ultimate winner that you crave to be the ultimate winner that goes back to the fact that you wanted to beat out your brother for your father's attention. That's what all this stems from. That that fierce competition to want to be the best. And then we find out on the other side of that, right? That through that fierce competition of wanting to be, be the best, he had some flaws. The competition led to the gambling. You could see it go hand in hand. You could see it. One went right alongside with the other. It was fascinating. Episodes five and six were fascinating. It gave you, it made me think of the comments that Michael made to Robin Roberts on Good Morning America before this series hit the air, where he said, I'm afraid people aren't going to like me after they see this series. And I kind of understand why. 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter, we have a poll question for you. At Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Did anything you saw in episodes 5 and 6 change your opinion of MJ? Did anything you saw in episodes 5 and 6 change your opinion of MJ? Your thoughts are next. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Buddha's in the Bronx. Buddha, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. All right, all right. What's going on, Uncle Larry? How you doing, big bro? I'm doing great, partner. What's happening? All right, listen, you know I got to go to this documentary ASAP. Oh, my God. Like Jordan, <laughs> when he said he, he didn't want people to look at him look bad, he should have included a few other people in that list. First on the list, Clyde Drexler, Fly Slammer, Jam. I mean, bro, could you suppose some resistance? I don't want to get into a war of words. Because, you know, we're the two best players, but I'm not going to do Listen, this dude's coming for your throat, bro. Yep. Could, you show some, could you show some kind of animosity or something? Oh, he annoyed Too cool me. for school. Oh, my goodness. He annoyed me. Jordan, when you had just spoke about it before, you know, he said he doesn't know the guy, Garrett. 
Um, you know, he wasn't going to put his name out there. Then, then what you donating money to the campaign for? Keep it a stack. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You talking out of both sides of your mouth. You don't, you don't want to support the, um, you don't want anybody um, thinking you're supportive. What you paying money to the campaign for? Keep it a buck all the way through. I found that a little weak. Um, Mike Francesa, oh my God, uh, <laughs> talking about the, the gambling and it shows that he doesn't have a commitment to winning as he used to. He's about as right as that comment was when he said Michael Strahan after NFL because of his mouth wasn't going to have any career. So he's batting a thousand. He's batting <laughs> a thousand. But the person who annoyed me the most, and, and, and it pains me to say this because mm-hmm. I love him so much as a player, Magic Johnson. Oh, my God. Get off of the man's sack. Oh, Michael was so great, and we all knew, and I just had to, and in the practices, and he was killing this person. Listen, you threw Isaiah Thomas away like an old Hasbro toy. You know what I'm saying? You, you know what I mean? Oh, my God. Just from, if I'm going to lose to anybody, uh, I don't feel bad about losing to Michael. Yo, what are you talking about, bro? What are you talking about? Oh, yo, he irritated me. I, I'm be honest with you. And I had heard some of that stuff, because, you know, we all watch. That sure. team, team, 30 for 30. Yes, But, yes. I mean, listen here, man. Yo, he sounds like Brian Windhorst talking about LeBron. What are you carrying his jockstrap? I mean, come on. Now, Larry, that, that, that annoyed me. I don't know why, but it, uh, that annoyed me to no end. You look at Starks. You look at Reggie Miller. I mean, and the Starks are less extent because he wasn't as good as a player them. But, I mean, uh-huh. listen here. If I'm going to lose to Jordan, I'm going down swinging. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I had an argument with, with my boy. I'm like, yo, I got to be honest with you. Reggie Miller was a better player than Clyde Drexler. He had more heart, skinny as he was. Unbelievable, man. Yeah, you know what? It, it comes off, Buddha, and, and you, you make some great points. It came off that Clyde Drexler was kind. He comes off as a one-dimensional player, and he really wasn't a one-dimensional player. He was a little better than that, but because yeah. it just seemed like he couldn't match up. He backed down from the intensity and the competition that Michael Jordan brought to the table. And that's I mean, really, on. and, and that's really when you look at it. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. When you look at it, that's what he did to a lot of people. That was it. They knew they saw what was coming. It's like Pat Riley said last night in the documentary to the Knicks. He said, I told him you have to meet him on the floor. Otherwise you're going to be embarrassed at the rim. <laughs> and so Clyde was like, I'm not going to say nothing. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to give him anything where he's going to be motivated to take, to, to just focus on me and just be totally dominant. And guess what? Because of what was said in the media, he focused on him and was totally dominant anyway. So you might as well have said something, right? <laughs> Marvin's in the Bronx. Hey, Marvin, you're next on 987 ESPN. Larry, the problem I have with Jordan is his comment about Republicans by Snickers. Look, every black athlete from 1947 down should watch the documentary on Jackie Robinson. As a black person, you have an obligation to your people, and you, especially you're given that you're given that platform. You cannot look the other way because if you didn't have those millions, you'd just be another black person. And those same people that walking up to you asking for an autograph, and I'm particular, I'm singling out a particular group, will be the same people running away from you, and probably might even call you a criminal. So don't even go there. We know the history of this country. I'm laying it on the table. If you're a black athlete making that kind of money, you should have to get a guy that's a notorious racist. Yes, it's damaging your own people. 
I have no respect for Michael Jordan as a man. He's a great ball player, but I'll leave it at that because he's shallow. Well, I'll say this, Marvin, and thanks for the phone call. Everybody is not going to be Muhammad Ali. Everybody is not going to be Bill Russell. Everybody is not going to be those folks that stood in that in the Luau Cinder, then then Luau Cinder, as we know, as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and be a part of those that conversation. Okay, everybody doesn't feel that same obligation. Everybody doesn't feel that same commitment. Everybody doesn't feel that way about what they do. And to be honest with you, to be honest, he could have handled it a better way. And I'm sure that that comment didn't come from him. That comment probably, he was probably echoing comments that were made by his, you know, his crew around him of saying, you know, you got to be careful when you take stands like this, because remember they had told you in that, in that documentary last night that if he didn't have, he had to have X amount of millions of sneakers sold. Otherwise the deal was blown. So yeah, he was, he, he was thinking of his financial situation there. You're absolutely right. He was, there's no question about it. But the interesting thing for me is that there are a number of athletes, okay? And I'm not going to call any names. Whom? Marvin, you don't want them to say anything. I'm just saying, Marvin, you don't want them to say a word. You don't. You don't. You'd be sadly disappointed. And it's an interesting, and it's something we'll, we'll chat with Bomani Jones about too, who joined us at the bottom of the hour here on 98.7 ESPN. Because there, there's pressures that the African-American community places on African-American athletes that other athletes don't have to deal with. It just don't. And so it's interesting to see how some embrace it and some do not. And some are held accountable for it and some do not. And we're seeing in this group of athletes, we're seeing in the Chris Paul and the LeBron James and the Dwayne Wade's, we're kind of seeing it go back, right, to the Ali's, to the where they're, they're comfortable in their independence and comfortable in their brand, right, that they are comfortable that they can make the statements they want to make and not fear the backlash. And they're just saying it. They're like, look, you know what? This is how I feel. And not only are they speaking out, but they're also doing things in their communities. Obviously, LeBron with the school. You know, Dwayne Wade's been doing a ton of things that, that's been out there. And Michael Jordan did things, a lot of things behind the scenes. Because remember, when this came out, especially when you understand what Jesse Helm stood for. I mean, this man wanted segregation again. This is the 90s. He was talking about, yeah, I'm, yeah we got segregation. All right? So, yeah, you would think that they were, that's a no-brainer. You would think so. But at the time, he wasn't comfortable doing that and obviously was advised not to. Despite the fact that he admitted that his mom asked him to do the PSA, the public service announcement, in favor of Mr. Gant. And it was, having been on the air in this town at the time, it was fiercely criticized and very disappointing from the African-American community. It was. And there were some other folks who were like, huh, okay, they, they start to look at him a little differently. 
So it, it was, uh, it was a fascinating time and you really disappointing would have been the operative word devastated by some folks, but you know what? That's why he also said maybe he shouldn't be your role model. And that's when you look and you evaluate and you see that what was Michael Jordan? An unbelievably talented basketball player. That's what he was. That's what he will go down as a fierce competitor. As far as what he did socially, not so much. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Thank you for supporting the small businesses that have been getting the word out. I'll have another one for you in a couple of minutes. This one is uh, this one's something different. So we'll share that with you. Make sure you stay tuned for that. Right now, let's go to AJ in the Bronx. AJ, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, Larry? What's up, AJ? Larry, I'm having a hard time, Larry. This is this this Michael Jordan documentary is driving me crazy. Okay, I'm, why? <laughs> I'm listen, I'm I'm I appreciate the old school, I appreciate what guys did back in the day, but listen man, a lot of these back in my day guys are there's popping out everywhere and they're just like, Oh man, today's basketball is this, today's basketball is that and then they're just comparing. I'm like I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, just, just appreciate what we had back then. Don't start comparing the guys yesterday with the guys today because it's not fair. Anybody with any kind of logical sense can look at the players today and see that they're bigger, faster, stronger, and the game expanded for a reason. It's like comparing a, a, a 2020 car to a to an old school car. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not even the same. Stop comparing the two. It's bothering me. And I just went on YouTube and I searched Kareem Abdul-Jabbar versus Wilt. And I watched about five minutes of the highlights. And, Larry, honest to God, I respect the old school, but the game was so much worse back then. The guys were not athletic. It was just a different game. And and it's like I'm the only one seeing this. Come on. like AJ. It's not AJ. A, come AJ. on. Man. AJ. Dr. Yeah, Larry, J was not, Dr. J was not athletic? He was Magic Johnson was not athletic. Larry, Larry, you have to, Larry, Larry. No, but I'm just saying. Listen, I agree with you that it's hard. I I agree with you that it's hard to compare errors. But you can't say that none of those guys are athletic. Kareem was athletic. Larry, Kareem could get up and down the floor. Kareem could get up and down the floor just like any of these players today. Larry, no, he cannot. Larry, watch the footage. It's not even the same speed. Giannis Antetokounmpo, whatever his name is, Giannis Antetokounmpo would put him in a casket today. It's not even the same basketball, Larry. Come on. So like, you think? So you think that nobody was strong in dunks? Did you watch Carl Malone? You don't think, think Carl Malone was a strong guy that, Car- that could dunk? I, and you don't think Carl Malone I could think, take on no, Giannis? No, no, no. no, I think Carl Malone. Carl Malone is 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 recent enough and his body shape he could play today. I think Russell Westbrook would look at would look at um one of those point guards in the eighties and laugh. He would it's not even funny how how, how the, the, the the disparity in athleticism is. It's not even funny. Like it's okay, like, so that doesn't that today, doesn't also mean that game. that doesn't always mean that they're better. That doesn't Larry, always mean that they're better they're better Larry, basketball players. It doesn't mean that they're Larry, smarter. Just because they're more athletic, it takes more. It takes more to. So, all right, let me ask you this: Could Michael Jordan play today? Yes, he absolutely can. That's Michael Jordan. Okay, but that's the eighties. 
Clyde the Glide Drexler would not be an all-star today, Larry. This is just the truth, Larry. Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas would not be the Isaiah Thomas today, Larry. So you don't think he would be good? I think Trey Young would drop forty on him. And, and, and okay, and what is and, and what is and what is Isaiah doing when he has the he's ball? Giving you his normal seventeen to twenty five points, maybe, Larry. Trey Young okay, will so, go ham on this guy, Larry. Okay, it's not even and, basketball. Okay, but all right, but you're talking to me about individual guys. What is Trey Young winning? Okay, he's Larry, fabulous. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's not a great player. Okay, Larry, but you're talking. You're comparing. Say again. <laughs> Larry, are you, do you watch the footage? Larry, I respect your knowledge. I respect a lot of guys, Larry. Larry, you, you cannot watch the footage and tell me these guys would play at the pace today. Because everybody likes to say, oh, back in those days, they're tougher. They're tougher, huh? Okay, fine. I'll give you the tougher if you want to take that. But the guys today would run them out the gym. The pace of play is not even close to what it was, Larry. Like, like we have to just stop trying to c- compare because every time these guys try to, they try to, they try to make the guys today look worse. And I'm like, no, Kevin it's not about like, making Kevin them look. It's not about making them look worse. Kevin it's not Durant about doing that. It's not about Kevin Durant is a phenomenal player. Okay, but but I'm telling you, I'm telling you that. Okay, all right, he yeah, and what and okay, but then you're talking about two different players and two different body types. Okay, so, 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 so I could say to you, there's guys like, I'm saying to you, there's guys like James Worthy, there's guys who were, who who could, who could could perform well, who could, who could play today. But they could play today. So, so Kevin Durant and, and Kevin Durant could play. So Kevin Durant, because he could play today, could play in any era. Kevin Durant would. Kevin Durant will pull up from 35. They wouldn't know what's hitting them in the 80s. They were like, what's going on? A 6'11". So they had no... <laughs> AJ, AJ, AJ. shoot back then, AJ, Larry. Bob McAdoo shot from, from that far. Did you watch how he shot, the pace he shot, the speed, how he dribbled, how he moved? It was unathletic, But Larry. that's not what it we're talking... You're, you're, you're talking to me about side of... Uh, we were talking about, I thought what we were talking about yes. at that point was what you were telling me about his distance from shooting. It, okay. And I'm saying whole, to you that Bob McAdoo yeah. shot from that far. These Did are not, understand, these are not the only players who could shoot from 30 feet. Larry, if you watch Bob McAdoo play, it looks like a high school JV game, Larry. The game is different. The players today are so much better. It's not even. So funny. you're telling me he, so you're telling me he's not a good player. Who, Bob McAdoo? Yeah. I think Bob McAdoo is a good player for his era. Today, he would be trash. I don't know if he'd be trash. I don't know if he'd be trash. Larry, half those players would be trash today, Larry. You know it. Like and what about the players today? So the, so all the players today could play back then? I think most of the stars today would destroy the old Destroy. Okay. Destroy. The, and this whole toughness argument, right? Listen, mm-hmm. with this toughness. With this toughness stuff. This is this toughness stuff kills me. All right. The players today have adjusted to how the referees and how the game is being called today. If you tell LeBron James and Giannis and whoever that we're not gonna call any fouls, I want you to just go bully go play bully ball. You think LeBron James is not gonna take somebody's head off? He's a LeBron James plays how this era's played. It's played you you gotta flop, you gotta you gotta do all this nonsense. Well, it's why a, do they play a, that way? 
because the, the, the game is refereed that way. If but I why? Somebody in the head, if but, I but let me ask you this, AJ. Head, why would they referee the game that way? Because, because you've got liberal, with these talent with Larry. these talented great athletes. Larry, this is the liberal. This is the liberal we live in. If somebody clobbers somebody across the head, you have to apologize. And and I know uh, and, it's crazy. It's you crazy. I, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not you know. I would I would rather they and thanks for the discussion, AJ. It was interesting. I would rather they let them play, but they won't because they just you know that's the way the game is now. But listen, it is very difficult. I will grant you to compare errors with players. Okay. It's very difficult, but you know what? Every error comes out and says the same thing. My, the seventies said the same thing about Bill Russell's team in the fifties and the eighties said the same thing about the seventies and the nineties said the same thing about the eighties. And so we understand it is difficult, but there are some players who transcend errors some players who do. Okay. And I think that they are better players. The players are a little better than you're giving them credit for, AJ. I just do. I think they're a little better that you're giving them credit for. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.